You are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Thank you, Lord. Good evening, everybody. Alright, we have a very short time to address a lot of things. So we would ensure that we run as fast as we can. How many of you know that you'll go home with wisdom today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Alright, um, we, we have gotten into some time because we have the couple session mainly after this and so uh, we have limited time to cover so much. Um, we have some questions that some people have sent in. Um, I'll use the questions as um, a yardstick. Uh, likely that's the general thoughts um, in the house. So I have just a few of them and I'll use them. But if you, we have actually like 10 minutes or 15 minutes to do the question part, then we get into the main session. Um, hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and smile at your neighbor. Amen. Amen. Everybody in here is single. Amen. Put your hands together for yourself. <laughs> so, look around you. You can marry someone now. Amen. Everybody in here is single. <laughs> but I cannot guarantee if they are free. Amen. <laughs> I can only tell you that they are single. Amen. Alright, um, we have um, questions that have been sent in and um, I'll just jump into the questions. But for the benefit of those of you that didn't send in your questions, um, let me allow one question. Now, it's only one chance, so it has to be used well. Don't ask me what happened to Buaris here. I don't know. Amen. Alright, we're talking about relationship. Are you understanding me? Okay, so ask a question and make sure you use the one slot very well. Alright? I have a few questions up there on, on, on a sheet of paper. But um, I'm going to give room for those of you that didn't send your question. You have one question you want to ask. We need a microphone. You can ask, shoot. And then I'll use your question as the opening question. And then we'll enter the ones that I already received. Now the worst thing that can ever happen to someone is to come for um, a meeting like this. Have a question and not ask it. And then on the road starts your friend, what do you think? Amen. And you understand, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Uh, because if your friend knew, they would not be here too. Amen. <laughs> okay, so the reason why you are here is so that you will receive wisdom. Um, there's scripture in Proverbs that says that wisdom is crying out in the streets. It means that um, if someone really needs, wants to walk in wisdom, wisdom is not scarce. Hallelujah. They say it's crying out in the streets. And my prayer for you this evening is that you hear the voice of wisdom in your relationship. Amen. In your personal life. Glory to Jesus. Alright, so if you have that question you want to ask, you can lift your hand up. I just have one slot. Thank you. That's it. It's gone. Amen. Alright, give him the microphone and uh, let's hear that question. 
and then we get into others. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, I, my question is not about relationships, it's about friendship. Friendship? That is, yes, sir. Okay. That is this popular saying that says, tell me your friend and I will tell you who you are. But, sir, in the case of Samson, the friend that Samson had, which is Delilah, God brought it for a purpose. And that Jesus had friends that people refer to as sinners. Now, if we go by that way, can it be true that somebody, God will bring somebody in who is not properly supposed to be in for a purpose? And if that is true, how do I close my ears to fulfill God's plan for the purpose of that person coming to me? Praise God. Alright, did you get that? You used the illustration of Jesus and the illustration of something. Um, since you use something, let me just use that. How many of you know Delilah? Is there any sister Delilah here? Alright. Uh, um, okay, when you, sometimes when we talk about God's purposes, there's something you should understand. Because we don't have time, I just hit. In the case of Judas betraying Jesus, God did not plan that or propose that it must be Judas. It, but it had to be somebody. Judas allowed the devil to pick him. Are you understanding me? Now in the same way, um, God did not tell Samson, go and look for Delilah. He went there on his own. So, what the scripture is implying or trying to tell us is that in his error, God used it to achieve his purpose. Are you understanding me? So, that Delilah's case doesn't fall into, it's not like he was making friends based on God's will. Now, but the point you made that is talking about when the Bible says Jesus was referred to as a friend to sinners. A friend to sinners did not mean that he entertained their lifestyle it simply meant that he loved them enough, alright, to be able to be around them, to change them. You know, you cannot impact someone that is not listening to you in the first place. Okay? So, it means that around Jesus, the sinners did not feel condemned. That was the idea of saying he was a friend to sinners. Okay? He didn't, they didn't feel condemned around him. So, they felt comfortable to come to him knowing that he will help them. Now, there are different levels of life. There are casual friendships, there are official friendships. If you work in a place where, if you work a secular job, you can't work, you can hardly find yourself in a place where everybody is a Christian. Are you understanding me? So you have colleagues that are unsaved. You are in school, you have colleagues that are unsaved. Now what the scripture, the scripture teaches separation, not segregation. Are you understanding me? The difference between separation and segregation is that segregation is that I don't want to be around them. I don't want to have any contact with them. Separation is that I am around them, but I am different. Are you understanding me? So what the scripture tells us is how we mingle with unbelievers. We must recognize that we are not of the world. Okay? So when you talk about having friendships, it depends on what you are talking about. Alright? I have friends that are not saved. Okay? But, why is God's word concerned about the kind of friends you have? Because the scripture tells us that anybody around you 
that you have accepted as a friend, you've also given a license to influence you. Okay? So, in that case, if you are not the one influencing that person in the relationship, in the friendship, so to speak, then there's no need having them around. Then he said, how would you close your eyes to overlook what they are doing or what they are saying and fulfill God's purpose for them? Well, I think that is where spiritual maturity comes in. Okay? Uh, spiritual maturity comes in where you are around unbelievers and you know that you have a role to play and that you are the light. Okay? And without you, they will remain in darkness. So you cannot be like them. They are the ones that should be like you. So but I'm trying to remove you from that idea of you are trying to make friends with... No. There are certain things that circumstantially it just happens. Okay, I gave an example. You are neighbors with people. You are in the same school with people. And you have to relate. Are you understanding me? You have to relate. But you are relating with the understanding that they are, they are, the time that they are around you, you can make an impact in their lives. I think that's how to answer that. Amen. Now, put your hands together for that. Amen. Alright, I have a question here. Um, Quickly, the first one says, Is it a sin for a, la- a lady, okay, the said lady, to keep a boyfriend or a girlfriend? I don't know how a lady keep a girlfriend, okay. While serving in a church department. Is it a sin for a lady to keep a boyfriend. If he's in the fridge, he's in the, he's in the pot, I don't know where they're keeping them. Or a girlfriend while serving in a church department. It depends on where they are keeping them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Alright, um, sometimes I try to answer questions, first of all, with the idea that I don't understand what you're talking about. Because, let me not assume that I understand what I'm talking about. I'm concerned about language here. Boyfriend, girlfriend. Well, the word boyfriend and girlfriend is not supposed to be an issue. It's supposed to just be an English word. That means that if someone is your friend and is male, is a friend that is a boy. And someone is your friend and is a female, is a friend that is a girl. But we know that in the world we live in today, that's not what that means anymore. Amen. Okay? That's not what that means anymore. So, I want to take it based on uh, that. Okay? Okay? Now, if you are asking if Christians, believers in Christ, can have relationships, yes, they can. Amen? And they should. Glory to God. If it's in that context. But if you are asking in the context, boyfriend, girlfriend, what you mean is a sleeping partner, a sex partner. Uh-huh. Then, you're talking about another thing. Are you understanding me? So, it doesn't matter whether, you don't have to be in a church department. <laughs> you understand that? For the fact that you are saved, praise God, um, the rules change for you. Amen. Because you are a new person. Are you with me? The Bible says, old things have passed away. So it has nothing to do with being in the church department. Alright? It has nothing to do with whether you are in the church department or not. Uh, that you are born again. Hallelujah. Alright? For the fact that you are born again, um, 
even when you are in a relationship, your relationship is different from the relationship of someone that is not born again. Am I communicating? It's just like every other thing. You are in a business. You are a businessman. An unbeliever is a businessman. It's not how the unbeliever does business that you do business. Is that not so? Because you are guided by God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Is that not so? So, in the same way, a, a, a Christian can be in a relationship. And uh, an unbeliever can be in a relationship. But the relationships are not the same. Glory to God. Because the, um, the focus, the aim of the relationship is not the same. I believe in the course of this um, session, we will come to why or what should be the focus of a believer's relationship. I believe we'll talk about that. So I, I think we've answered that question. So you don't have to be in a church department uh, to get it right. Amen. Just for the fact that you are saved, you know in your heart what is the right thing to do. Amen. The second question here says, I want, I want, um, I want to throw this to the audience. So, um, I'll allow comments. So, I'll, I'll allow your comments. Maybe two people to say something. Okay, one from this side, one from this side. Allow comments. The question goes this way. Um, I am 18 years of age. I just want to know if it is right to still have feelings for the opposite sex. Um, because I was raped and that's how I lost my virginity. Now I am even scared of marriage. What can I do to kill my fear and I feel like every guy that comes around me will do something to me. I'll read it again. Okay, so the floor will be open. You're free to make comments. The person said, I'm 18. Uh, it's obviously a lady because guys are idly talk about losing their virginity. I just want to know if it's right to still have feelings for the opposite sex because I was raped and uh, uh, raped, okay? And that's how I lost my virginity. Now, I'm even scared of marriage. What can I do to kill my fear? And I feel like every guy, so it's a lady, okay, that comes around me will do something to me. Um, so if you have um, some kind of comments about this question, you can lift your hand. We'll allow you to say something. And uh, that's why we're here. Amen. Praise God. You heard the question, right? Please, the floor is open. Praise God. One person from this side, one person from this side. Just say something about it. What do you think? Please ask the question, how do I kill my fear for the opposite sex? Because I feel that any guy that comes close to me is going to do something to me. Okay? So, how do I deal with that? And the person has laid the experience that brought about that Okay, one hand up here. Who's going to build them from here too? Let me see your hand up. Okay. Alright, thank you. Hallelujah. Um, there's something you've taught us. Yes. He said there's nothing that um, you can talk to God about. For me, the best place and how I could advise is the person first address it to God. And since, like, the way you put it, be honest about it. Lord, this is what it is. And she should give herself to 
the leading of the Spirit on how that could be. Some of the Spirit of God can tell her, okay, relate this like this. Um, if she's safe, she's a believer, and she has the Spirit of God, there's nothing the Spirit of God cannot lead her. Because he's the best person that can give her how she can come out of it. Because it's not just a small thing. It's a serious issue where she's even seeing the future, and it's, 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 it's a deep one. So the best person that can help is the Spirit of God. Where she prays about it, and allow herself to go through the leading on how the Spirit of God will give her best guidance on how that can be remedied and who to go to. Not just use your head. Because if you are using your head, it's as if you have the solution to something that is beyond you. That that's my own. Where she can be totally free from. Amen. And concerning the other one, she said, is it okay to have feelings? You're a human being, you should have. If you don't have, then that means there's something wrong. You're dead. So it's normal. It's okay. That's Alright, thank you. Uh, the other question. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, my advice, like he said rightly, is to take it to God in prayer. I remember, Pastor, one time you were teaching about being specific with the Word of God. So, for you to bring up this issue, that means it is something that is bothering you. So be specific about it. Tell God what you want and let it flow. I believe that there's nothing prayer cannot handle. And then to have feelings is very much okay. But first of all, you have to embrace the love that Christ gives us. Amen. Put your hands together. Amen for both of them. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to believe that that will be helpful just to add to um, what um, they said. Um, There are several, just to help maybe some of you here that might also have had such experiences, um, experiences of rape, abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and all those kind of things. I am not one of those that try to, um, you know, it's a way that the Western world has looked at emotional hearts and seemingly license people to remain in their pain. Are you understanding me? You know, it's like, it's not, yes, if, 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 if you were raped, then you should be a serial killer. You understand that? It's normal. If you, if you were raped, then you should, you should be this. Now, let me explain something there. And I'm not making light of emotional abuse. Alright, so get me clear. But there's something you should understand. There are people that went through the same experiences and did not end up wrong. Amen? Alright? There are some of them until you even hear their story, you won't even know that such things happen to them. So if you fall into that category, the first thing to know is that it's not an excuse for your life not to go right anymore. Are you understanding me? That you were abused or raped, as the case might be, shouldn't make you accept that it can't be fine. It can't be well. It can't go right. Then I have um, a reason to live my life this way because this wrong thing happened to me. Now, but one important thing also I want to add here is that if such a thing happened and over a period of time, you discover that you've still not dealt with it. Then you need to be counseled. Are you understanding me? And um, you need to be counseled. And sometimes, 
I think that's the role pastors play, you know. The counselor will help you maybe come out of it. Sometimes people have fears. Sometimes people have condemnation. Right? That's where counseling comes in. So if you fall into that category and you have, you have tried to pray, you have tried to do this, you have tried to do that, but somehow you've still not had that release in your heart. Okay? And it's taken a while um, since the experience. Then talk to someone. Amen. Alright? And when I say someone, not any someone. Amen. Alright? Because it can get worse. So, you need a pastor. And that's why people should have pastors. That you should be able to talk to and say, this is what's going on. And um, I think with counsel and um, prayer, you will come out of whatever situation there is. They've answered the question about the feelings, so I don't want to talk about that again. So the only dimension I'm adding here is the need for counsel. Is that understood? The need for counsel. Praise the Lord. The last question I'll take here. Put your hands together. Amen. Is it okay to marry a divorced person whose spouse whose spouse left him or her? Alright? Is it okay to marry a divorced person whose spouse left him or her? Um, let's answer the question with scripture. Let's go to First Corinthians 7. I'll read verse 15. First uh, Corinthians 7 was dealing with issues about that. But uh, you, 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 if you're here and you're single, a person, uh, likely maybe you're not married yet. So, and I'm hoping that you're not planning to get divorced. Amen. So maybe the question could also be coming if I can marry someone that is divorced. There are before I answer the question I'll say this to you. I believe that I'm answering the question because a believer is asking. Are you understanding me? I don't believe I can do anything he wants to do. Amen. You understand that? Okay? So you don't even need to ask questions. Do what you want to do. Alright, but you're born again, you're concerned about your conscience. Hallelujah. You're concerned about a lot of factors. You're concerned about your, your Christian um, um, how people perceive you as a believer. You're concerned about that too. So, the first thing I'll say is this. When it comes to divorce issues, there are no two divorce cases that are the same. Are you understanding me? No two are the same. So, it, there's a way we'll answer the question generally. And because I've pastored for a while, I've seen that there are some things that are not absolutes. They're not just yes and no. Are you understanding me? Yeah, you get what I'm saying? There's something that are not just yes and no. We have to answer the question on a case-by-case basis. We have to hear that case. Okay? Hear that particular case. And then judge based on what we heard from the case. Okay? Now, but I want to believe that it is just as simple as um, what the scripture, because scripture talked about something like that. A, a believer's spouse left him. So now, should I marry him because his spouse has left? You have to be sure the spouse has left. Amen. <laughs> 
The person just traveled to Dubai. You understand? <laughs> you have to be sure. You know, and the, the process of being sure that the spouse has left, that certainty has to come from the same authority that joined them. Amen. Are you listening to me? Because people, marriage was never meant to be done just between, marriage, yeah, you say it's between two people, but it's not actually just between two people. It's between two people and the community they live in and the relatives around them. Are you understanding me? In the sense that somebody or others are supposed to know that you are married. So in the same way, if you decide to dissolve the marriage, the people too are supposed to know, are you understanding me, that the marriage is dissolved. Okay? So whether it was a, a court, whether it was a church, or in the village, a tradition, the, whichever authority joined that marriage, has to be the same authority to say the marriage does not exist anymore for you to say the spouse has left. Are you understanding me? A spouse cannot just tell you, my spouse left me. And then when you later find, you pack into the house, then the spouse comes back. Ah, what are you doing here? He said, he said you left. <laughs> are you understanding me? Alright. Okay, but let's read the scripture here. Um, give me some, give me, let's start somewhere, like 13 or 12. Let me just but to rest speak I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife that believeth not. Now he's not saying a brother went to marry an unbeliever. No. Two of them were unbelievers. Then the brother got born again. Amen. Are you understanding me? Two of them were unbelievers. Then the brother got born again, but the wife is not yet saved. So he said, if any brother has a wife that believeth not, and the wife is pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away that she wants to live with him. He shouldn't say, because I'm saved and my wife is not saved, I'm going to live and look for a saved sister. Are you understanding? He said, no. As long as the wife is not planning to leave, he should stay with her even if she's not saved. Vice versa, it happens also whether it's a lady that got married, um, a lady and a, 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 a gentleman um, were unbelievers, then two of them, uh, after a while she got born again, and the fellow is not born again. The Bible is saying she should not depart because she is now saved. Amen. Alright, so next verse. And the woman which had an husband, alright, what I just said now, that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. Let her not leave him. You get that? Verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean. But now are they holy. He's talking about something very deep. He's talking about the fact that you, the, 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 even the children that come out of that union, amen, because one party is saved. Alright? That those children are sanctified. Amen. Are you getting a picture? So, that's, he is trying to address in case you are concerned about ah, what's going to happen if me and an unbelieving husband give birth to a child. He said, no, no, it's okay. Amen. Okay, so we'll come to where we're coming to. Verse 15. He said, but if the unbelieving, if the unbelieving husband departs, let him depart. Did you see that? A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. I'd like to read it in... Um, Amplified version. And I'll read it in NLT so you get it. 
But if the unbelieving partner actually leaves, let him do so. In such cases, the remaining brother or sister is not morally bound, but God has called us to peace. NLT. If the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. Are you getting that? For God has called you to live in peace. Now, this scripture is talking about grounds for remarriage. Grounds. Are you understanding me? Okay, that's what it's trying to do with that. Okay, on what occasion the husband just moves and says, Now, um, um, the commentaries on this scripture, Bible commentaries on this scripture, is actually some talking about something a little deeper than that. He's trying to say that the reason why this husband is even living is because you don't, he says, you shouldn't go to church anymore. Um, you shouldn't practice the faith anymore. And if you continue in your salvation, I will leave you. If that is what happens, say, allow him go. Amen. Alright? Alright? In that case, you are not bound. It means that in a situation like that, given time, the person can remarry. Amen. Am I communicating? Yeah, that's the condition I was given here. So, if the person's case, alright, is this, then, if the, you have to be sure it is this. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. It will take time to prove that it is this. Amen. And not just like one week. You know. Say, ah, when did she leave? Say, ah, this afternoon. <laughs> this afternoon. She was angry. She packed her things and left. So, okay. That's why I've come to propose to you. I want to marry you. <laughs> the best has not even reached where she's going to. <laughs> Amen. You understand that? All right. All right. I think we've been able to. So basically, the issue about questions is that there could be things related to that that we might have touched because we're answering these questions. Did you get something from this? You sure you got something from this? All right. Can we get into? what we have for today. Hallelujah. Alright. I have 45 minutes or thereabouts. Glory to God. Are you ready today? Uh, if you have things to write down, get down notes. It will help you a great deal. Um, I'm going to approach it from two ways. We will at a point it will be like we are preaching. At the point you be like we are discussing. Amen. Alright, but the aim is that at the end of the day, we'll get it. We'll get it. Hallelujah. This evening, I want to talk to you about what I've titled Covenant Mindset for Singles. Covenant Mindset for Singles. The last time we had a session like this, I tried to touch on issues that relate to mindset. Covenant mindsets for singles. I'll start by saying that
Jesus made a statement. He said that we are in this world, but what? We are not of the world. And also in scriptures we are made to understand that the day we got born again, the rules change for us. Hallelujah. Fishes swim, birds fly. If a fish decides to fly, something is wrong. The day a bird decides to swim, something is wrong. Because it is not designed to do that. Are you understanding me? Now, we must understand that the life of an unbeliever is totally different from the life of a believer. Our motivations are not the same. Our pursuits are not the same. We might have similar challenges. Sometimes even similar experiences. But our responses are not supposed to be the same. Is that understood? Why? Because we are in a covenant. We're in a covenant. And the way marriage was taught from scripture, it was always taught with the understanding or the concept of covenant. Why was marriage presented as a covenant? Because God believes that you already know what a covenant is. Amen. Okay? That you already know what a covenant is. Then he says, the marriage also is a covenant. Paul was speaking and then he talked about how the relationship between the husband and the wife is like the relationship between Christ and the church. Why is he talking like that? Because you already know what the relationship between Christ and the church is. So he says now, in the same way that this marriage relationship is a type of Christ and the church. So if you are the husband, you are in the place of Christ. If you are the wife, you are in the place of the church. That means that God wanted you to function with the idea of marriage the same way you function with the idea of the covenant you have with God. Amen. Am I communicating? So when we talk about covenant mindset, we're trying to say that there's a way to think as a single that must be based on the understanding of the covenants you are in. Sometimes believers ask questions. They say, okay, if, um, if, uh, can I do so, so and so? And you know why you are asking that question? You are asking that question because you are still judging your relationship based on the other relationship you saw on the streets. But it's not the same. Amen. It's not the same. That means that the reason 
why I as a believer get into a relationship is different from the reason why an unbeliever gets into a relationship. A great wise man once said, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. That means that because I have a covenant, the purpose for this relationship is different. But the one that is not in a covenant, his purpose is also different. Now, you, if you look from Bible days, you look at people like Abraham. Abraham instructed Isaac, or rather instructed the servants, because in Abraham's day he chose the spouse for his son. Or rather, he, it, it was his responsibility. You understand that? Now, Abraham said, when you go, make sure that you don't get any of the wives from Canaan. Any of the young ladies from Canaan. Why was he concerned about the kind of wife and where the kind of wife was coming from? Why was he concerned about where the wife was coming from? Because Abraham was in a covenant. Are you understanding me? And for this covenant to be established, the first marriage that will take place in the next generation must be right. Amen. Are you understanding me? That means that he was making a decision about marriage based on covenants. Am I communicating? Every other human being anywhere can marry from anywhere. But hey, 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 I have something to deliver. Amen. I have been called a father of many nations. I'm in a covenant with God and the covenant has to be protected. The covenant, there's a purpose for this covenant. And whatever marriage is going to take place by my son must ensure that the covenant continues. Do you know one of the major things God said about Abraham? He said, I know Abraham, that he will lead his children after me. Amen. Are we together? That means that Abraham was covenant minded. Even in the choice of marriage. Am I communicating? Whatever Abraham, however Abraham wanted Isaac to get married, huh? is how God wants you to get married. Amen. Why? What Abraham was is what we the church are. Hallelujah. Are you understanding me? Galatians 3.29 It says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Listen to me. It is about covenant. That's why our marriage relationships must work. Amen. It's about covenants. There was a man called Solomon. Believed to be the wisest man before Jesus came. Hallelujah. In all his wisdom, the Bible said he married 700 wives and 300 concubines. If you read his story, there's something that happened. The, word of the scripture told us that because of the so many, the Bible called them strange foreign women he got married to, his heart was sold out to their idols. Amen. What was he trying to say? Meaning that 
when he got married to those women that were not in the same covenant, are you understanding me, that he was in, it affected him. Am I communicating? So you know some of you hear that scripture say, um, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, be not unequally yoked to unbelievers. You, you've not understood that. You know, so you have some sisters say, is the guy born again? Sha. <laughs> see, it, it's not a sha thing. Are you understanding me? It's either he's born again, or he's not. Are you understanding me? There's no in between. It's either he's born again or he's not. So when the scripture says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, his covenant mindset is bring, bringing to you. Are you understanding me? So, oh, the brother, it's not only sisters that have the issue, they are brothers too. Say, oh, she's so beautiful. Is she born again? Mm. Maybe we should start by asking you, are you born again? Amen. <laughs> because maybe we're even asking the wrong question, alright? We will start with, are you born again? Because if you are, then you are getting into a marriage covenant with someone that is already in covenant with God. Amen. Am I communicating? Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faith2faithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the best, take a around the world.